He has spoken on the topics faith, family and freedom in Cuba, Belgium, Brazil, Congo, UK and all over the USA to crowds from 14 to 40,000. Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. You know, if you've ever watched um, The Big Bang Theory, there's a very special show on that Big Bang Theory called Fun with Flags. Fun with Flags with Sheldon Cooper. I'm not Sheldon Cooper, and you can see I have no flags behind me, but today I want to have fun with words. I want to play with a couple little words, and I think I might have even made one of them up, which is even more fun because, you know, there's nothing like making up a word and then playing with its definition. It doesn't get any more fun with that, but, you know, right now it seems like the thing to do, so today we're going to do that. We're going to talk about cedars, cedars, and cedars, and what's the difference? Are leaders cedars, cedars, or cedars? I think leaders are cedars, but they're not cedars or cedars, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders, not cedars. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I had a conversation one time with a guy who was a homeless guy, and he was asking for money when I was at a little organization in Atlanta. And I gave him 10 bucks, and then I said, um, can I ask a question? He said, what's that? And he, I said, what do you think you'll do with that 10 bucks? He said, I don't know, probably go buy a, a bag of hamburgers with it. You know, you can still get hamburgers for a dollar at some place, and I'll buy six or eight of them if I can, and maybe one drink or one thing of fries, and... I'll go back to the place where I sleep and see how many people need one. I said, that's, that's not a bad plan from, a, from a being a good friend, being a socially conscious kind of guy. That's not a bad plan at all. But, you know, how far are you away financially from maybe having your own car, your own stuff, your own place? And he said, well, you know, that, that's kind of the problem. You know, it, it, you can get into the shelter for 15 bucks a day. So if I could just come up with 15 bucks a day, I would not be sleeping outside at least. And I said, well, that, that would seem to me like coming up with 15 bucks a day would be a pretty good agenda. He said, yeah, I said, but 15 bucks a day, I mean, you're not too far away from paying rent somewhere, even if you're just sharing a room with somebody else's house. I and mean, 15 bucks a day is almost $500 a month. That, that's a pretty steep step to, to be able to pay if you're homeless. He said, yeah, that's, that's why we only get a shower a couple of times a week. I said, well, how often do you come across 15 bucks for the day. And he said, yeah, maybe two or three times a week. So I'll get a couple of showers a week and I'll buy a bag of burgers for, for everybody uh, a couple of times a week as well. And I said, interesting, every dollar you get, though, you consume. And he said, yeah. I said, you know, if I were to give you a handful of seeds, maybe sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds or something like that, what are you most likely to do with those? He said, well, I'd eat them, of course. I said, interesting. If you had a patch of dirt somewhere and you could grow a pumpkin patch and have hundreds of pumpkins and feed your friends and sell some pumpkins and generate more than $15 a day, do you think you'd be interested in doing that? And he looked at me sincerely, a little bit puzzled. And then he said never really thought of that. 
Now, I'm, I'm not trying to judge the man or his intellect or his education. I just know that there are a lot of people who have a very similar mindset. And, and again, I'm not trying to judge. I'm just being honest. There are a lot of people that every dollar that comes into their hand goes to buy another thing. Oftentimes, a, a thing that really just is there to show off. It's to be big and to be pretty, to, for everybody to look at them. T.D. Jakes said it a while back. He said, the rich people that I know, they dress modestly. They drive reasonable cars. They live in maybe large but reasonable houses. It's the broke people I know who got on Gucci and Versace and all these brand names trying to impress everybody around them, but you can't even get their car started in the parking lot. Or if you do get their car started, you drive it to a house that looks like it should have been condemned years ago. Because they put their priority of how they spend their money on what shows in the face of other people. What is it that other people would look at you and think, wow, you've got it made, you've got it figured out, you must be succeeding. Now, I've made up a word today. Uh, the root word is real. I don't know that the R has ever been added to the end of cedar. Now, the first one, cedar, S-E-E-D-E-R, that would be someone who actually plants the seeds that they get rather than consuming all of them. The second one, C-E-D-E-R, if you leave the R off, the word is seed, it means to submit or surrender power or control. Usually it has to do with an election cycle or a power struggle like the running of a company or the power over a family or the power in a relationship, or maybe internationally, global, international power, where one country would cede to another country, C-E-D-E. But if you were a cedar, you're the person who's always giving up your power and always giving up your control. And if you had to contrast being a cedar, S-E-E-D-E-R, or C-E-D-E-R, then I would much rather be the one who's planting seeds that are going to grow into something greater than I am giving up the power and the control of my life. But I also added that other one in there, not only because it's kind of funny to consider the three, but C-E-D-A-R. If you go back and read a lot of old books, there's a references to, quote, the Cedars of Lebanon. Now, the Cedars of Lebanon were known for a couple of different things. Number one, they were enormous. Well, you got to think, too, back to that day. See, we went through a, a season in global politics where the big battle was over gold, in fact, monetary systems are based on the value of gold and how much of it you hold as a nation. But there's also been an ebb and flow of the value of gold and the amount of gold that's backing up your currency and things of that nature. We've also had seasons where we've seen that the value of oil, petroleum, has kind of taken the place of gold. Well, back in the day when they would use a phrase like they were as glorious as the cedars of Lebanon, it was because wood held a value in the currency system, in the, the trade industry, almost as valuable as gold. Oh, there was plenty of it. But remember, we lived in an age where we didn't have all the steel buildings and the glass structures that we live in now. Every boat was made of wood. Every castle included stone and wood, lots of wood. Gold too, but lots of wood. 
And the cedars of Lebanon were often seen as a great sign of wealth. If you could grow trees that big, that round, that healthy, that beautiful, that was a status symbol. It was a status symbol to have something built of the cedars of Lebanon. I remember many years ago, I I had a job and the guy had a lot of different assets and resources. And one of those was rather than give me a pay raise that I had asked for, he said, why don't I just let you live in my lake house? And we moved into this cute little two story, I don't know, I guess like a, a guest house on his lake property. We were like 65 feet from the water. It was a beautiful place. But every inch of that house was built out of redwood. And I don't mean wood that was painted red. I mean like redwood, like you would get from the redwood forest. The paneling inside, the structures outside, the beams of the house. The entire thing was built out of redwood. Probably a tinderbox if you ever dropped a match in it. It was gorgeous. But it was built many decades ago. And if you tried to build that house out of redwood today, you'd be in a lot of trouble because redwood in many places is considered in danger. It was a status symbol to have a house built of redwood. All wood. It'd be like living in a log cabin in the country. It was very, very rustic, very, very earthy in nature. It was beautiful. But some people would really get their dander up over the fact that it was built from a nearly extinct or at least endangered wood. It's a protected species, is redwood. The cedars of Lebanon were similar to that. They were high value. They were high status symbol. They were a commodity, if you will, in their day of popularity. So we may not all be cedars, as in giant symbols of popularity and status. We may not all be people as leaders who are giving away our power. But as leaders, we must be committed to being cedars. Not the C-E-D-A-R type. Or See, in Texas, we don't even have the cedars of Lebanon. We don't have the tall, here we would have pine trees that would be close to that. But in Texas, most cedar trees are these little, fat, fluffy-looking things. They're useless for almost anything besides if you chop the wood up right, you can hang it in your closet and it makes your clothes smell good. Or you can build a hope chest out of it, but it takes a lot of them because the trunk of an average cedar tree in Texas only gets to about 12 to 14 inches in diameter. And trying to get to that trunk with all the little spiky limbs that grow in every direction is insane. Not to mention the fact you'll be covered in sap and feel like you took a bath in honey. It's not a convenient thing. But that's not a status symbol anymore. Nobody wants to have that. It's kind of like having the ties too wide. Remember that song? Don't you know your tie's too wide? Nobody wears them like that. You're out of fashion. Keep up already. Nobody wants to be a cedar like that. Just showy, but also outdated. Nobody wants to be a C-E-D-A-R. Nobody wants to give their power to be a C-E-D-E-R. Yes, I made that part up. But everybody wants to plant seeds. What does it mean to plant seeds? Well, you hear a lot of people talk about legacy. You hear people talk about what is it like to build a legacy? What's, what's going to come next? What's going to be the people behind you, the organization behind you, succession plan of your company and its leadership, the, the businesses that you've built, the money you'll leave for your kids, the land and property and titles that you'll leave for your kids? What possessions do you have? Well, that legacy, that inheritance, that, that is a seed that you're planting and you're planting it now. But see, there are other seeds that you're planting if you're a leader Those seeds might look like the ideas, the worldview, the important 
aspects of character, moral value, determination, hard work, patriotism, loyalty, commitment. See, all of these are things that are, well, they're seeds. Every one of them is a seed. And see, here's the thing you got to know about seeds. The acorn is not an oak tree. An acorn weighs like nothing. I mean, it's smaller than a ping pong ball, not much heavier in weight. It's a little more dense than that, like some people I know, but it's just the seed. But that seed contains in it all the DNA necessary to make a tree big enough to build your house from, to build a tree house in, to hang a swing from, to provide shade, to provide a home for the birds. All in that one little acorn. It's the seed. It's the origin of something great. Leaders should be the kind of people who plant seeds like that. They plant something small in the hearts and the minds of the people they serve. Something that will last for a long time. Something that will change the future based on what they're planting now. It may be small now. It may seem insignificant now. It might be that once you put it in the dirt, you can't even tell that it's there. Once you've planted it in somebody's heart or mind, nobody knows it's there until it begins to take root until it begins to blossom, until it begins to bear fruit, and then the whole world can see it. And now, all of a sudden, that little seed, that little thought, that little idea, that work ethic, that commitment, that loyalty, it is a cedar of Lebanon. It's an enormous structure that declares something great has been born here. And we're not all cedars. We don't all give up our power. We're not all cedars and that we're not all cedars of Lebanon right now, the big, giant, showy, obviously aware, successful. But if we're leaders, we are cedars. We are those who have planted something in others. We are those who have invested maybe something really, really small in others who will carry on that legacy Maybe even they don't realize the seed is there right now. It'll be 2, 5, 10, 15 years before they go, aha, there's something in me that I've overlooked, that I've ignored, that I haven't watered, that I haven't fertilized. It's the last thing I want to mention about leaders who are seeders. You'll never meet a farmer who's a serious committed farmer who will go out into the field and plow the dirt rows and put all the seed in the ground and then just leave and go on vacation. No, that season, that cycle that follows putting the seed in the ground, yeah, there's a whole lot of work that goes right behind putting the seed in the ground. You can't just plant an idea and let it go. You can't just demonstrate or talk about commitment and then abandon it. No, you got to be there to, to see it through. You got to be there like the farmer to make sure that the birds don't snatch up the seed, to make sure that the wind and the rain don't blow away the seed or wash it away. You got to be sure if that happens, you come back and plant more seed. You got to make sure the sun doesn't scorch it or that it doesn't dry up by putting moisture on the ground on a regular basis. You've got to maybe put some fertilizer down to help it to grow, to kill the weeds and the insects that might kind of kill that seed. And if you've ever worked with people as a leader, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All of these things come against them. There's a flood of information that may be counter to the seed that you've planted. Counter ideas, counter notions, counter commitments, counter loyalties. 
And as a leader, it's your job to fertilize that seed, to protect that seed, to grow that seed, to nurture that seed, to empower that seed, to become something greater than a seed. You've got work to do as a leader now that you've planted that seed. I also want you to know that that seed, as it begins to grow, first will be a little sprout. I was in the first grade when I came home with a corn sprout. It's just a little bitty seed. And we had put it in a styrofoam cup and we put them in the uh, window and we had watered them every day as little kids. And I came home with mine and it was about four inches, five inches tall at the time. And I planted it right next to the back porch. Now, I don't remember in those days, my mother maybe once or twice in my lifetime pulling the weeds in the backyard instead of using a weed eater. But on this particular day, she saw my corn sprout as a weed. And she pulled it out of the ground and she killed it. And I cried for, I don't know, at least a minute and a half over that little corn sprout. Now, the damage that probably would have done to the foundation of our house being so close to the concrete, because corn can put some serious root down. I don't know if you've ever tried to pull one out of the ground. It's not easy. And if they do go to seed, you can harvest acres of corn in less than a year if it goes to seed and repopulates. So that probably putting it there wasn't good for the house, the yard, or the corn. But I was really sad that someone came around and snatched that little a tiny little sprout out of the ground before it had a chance to flourish. If you're a leader, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people in your realm, people that you have planted seeds in, people that you have invested in, people that you have seen begin to grow into a sprout, and yet there's people endangering that sprout. People who are throwing chemicals like drugs, bad ideas, bad influence at your little seedlings. They want to stomp them in the ground. They want to be jealous of their growth and pull them up. Maybe they want to call them weeds. Well, it's your job as a leader to protect them from that. It's your job also to strengthen them. Maybe you've seen the little trees in the front yard where the wind starts to blow them around and people will tie a string to them in every direction. There's a season that that's a good idea that you put the so the tree doesn't grow in a strange bent. But there's also a season that you've got to take those off and let the tree learn to cope with the wind because that's how it builds its strength and goes deep with its roots. Here's something I learned in my own neighborhood, though. We put our tree in the front yard, and we used to just, you know, water the whole yard and make sure the grass was, was catching the, the, the moisture and it was turning green, and, and that was awesome. And an old guy told me one time, he said, don't water your tree like that. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, it's okay for the grass to water it on the surface like that. Grass roots are only, you know, an inch or two deep anyway. But the tree doesn't want roots that are an inch or two deep. If the tree learns by your pattern of watering it, that the water will always be only an inch or two deep from the soil, what will happen is your little tiny tree is going to grow and it's going to fill your entire yard an inch or two deep with roots. It'll crack your sidewalk, crack your driveway, eventually crack your foundation. The roots will never go down because it's never found moisture there. The way to really water a tree is to put your hose right next to the trunk of the tree and basically let it bore a hole drilling, just going straight down. The deeper that water gets, let it run for a while, let a small trickle, let it run for a while right at the root of that tree. The deeper it goes, the deeper the roots will be. The stronger the tree will be in the wind and the rain and the longer the tree will last without destroying your yard and your foundation because the roots will go down and not out.
And see, leaders need to know some similar things. Leaders need to know what is the proper care and feeding of a seed? How do you get it in the ground? Where do you plant it? Do you plant it in the heart or do you plant it in the head? Is this an emotional thing or a logic thing? How do you nurture that? How do you hold that relationship? How do you protect it from outside influences? How do you provide opportunity? How do you provide nutrition? Now see, I find it true that in all of those, the answer is very similar. This is gonna sound really weird, but it's stories. Story power is the mechanism for fertilizing a good seed. Story power is a mechanism for defending a seed against outside attack. Story power is a, a mechanism, a tool for nurturing and growing and correcting. You know, the reason those ropes or, or lines are tied on that little tree is so it doesn't lean one way or the other based on the wind or being on a hill or because it's trying to seek out the sun in the days that it's shaded by the house. That's correction. And as a leader, you're going to have to provide correction as well as direction, as well as nurturing, as well as protection. That's your job. But you shouldn't be a cedar who gives up control. You shouldn't be a cedar who's just looking for your own glory. You should be a cedar who's planting seeds, nurturing them, and watching them grow. And that's my challenge for you today as leaders. Plant the seeds. Nurture the seeds. Watch them grow. What you're building is somebody else's life but it will also be your legacy. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.